Hello, hello, my friends. How you doing? I hope you're well. My name is Rob Orman, and you are listening to the Stimulus Podcast, where we break down ideas, strategies, tactics, and habits to help you live and work with intent to elevate. Don't just suck it up. Think differently. I'm a 20-year veteran of the emergency department and now work as a clinician coach, helping docs, APPs, leaders, trainees, and those involved in patient care work through burnout, overwhelm, feeling stuck, tackling new challenges, and creating their own versions of kickassery. And now a bit of news. We've got something new on the website that I think you might be interested in. I've been working on this for a while with a bevy of experts, and what we have is a guide to address a particular pain point in clinical practice. And that pain point is draining conversations. These are conversations that you have a lot, but maybe you don't want to have. Maybe you never want to have. In other words, your least favorite conversations. The mini book, it's about 10 pages, is called Scripting Your Least Favorite Conversations. And in it are several frameworks and strategies and example scripts for three scenarios that repeatedly come up in acute care. Are these the only three that could be given the title of least favorite conversation? Not even close. They're just three used as a substrate to work with and tease out the methodology. And are these the only ways to work through these conversations, these situations? Of course not. These are just some of the ways. This mini book or document, I guess you could call it, is free of charge. You just download it and it's yours in perpetuity. And in the show notes for this episode, I'll have a link to how you can access it. Or if you're on the robwarman.com website, you can just click where it says freebies and then bang zoom. It'll just be sitting right there along with our other free mini book resources, my four favorite documentation phrases, and the quick and dirty guide to calling consults. And as a side note, if there's a least favorite conversations that you don't see in the guide and you'd like to see broken down into a script or have us discuss a strategy on how to approach it, you can reach out to me through the contact link at roborman.com. And let me know your thoughts. All right. Are you ready? You ready for the show? I know I am. So let's throw in some hard rock alien arrival sound design. Why? Just because we can. Booyah. Today, I want to dig into an incredibly potent framework. It's a framework, one of many frameworks for understanding interpersonal dynamics. And it's so simple, but once you become aware of it, can be game-changing. Could be game-slightly-changing, could be game-totally-changing. And what I'm talking about is called the drama triangle. As a bit of history, the drama triangle was developed by psychiatrist Stephen Cartman. You probably don't recognize that name, but he's famous for the drama triangle. It was developed in the 1960s, and it's pretty basic at first glance, compromises three roles, the victim, the villain or persecutor, and the hero or the rescuer. Now, because this is called a triangle, let's just imagine a triangle. At each corner of this triangle, there's a role. There's the victim. Maybe let's put that at the apex, the top, the villain, 
and the hero at the bottom corners. And these roles all interact with each other. And these roles are fluid and you can switch between different roles often in a single interaction. Now picture this, you're back in school. You know, maybe you are in school, but there's a student. Let's call him Sam. Now Sam just failed his assignment. Oh, he is, he is just flaming mad. He feels helpless. He feels overwhelmed. That's our victim. The teacher who gave Sam the failing grade, Miss Hudson, becomes the villain in Sam's perspective. Sam sees Miss Hudson as the cause of his problem. But then there's Alice. That's Sam's best friend. Alice, she offers to help Sam redo his assignment. Alice, well, she's the hero. That seems like the simple scenario. And we've all been there. We've all been in all of these roles. Because like, what's the big deal here? What's the big deal, bruh? Well, we're talking about dramas. We're talking about triangles. And this seemingly simple scenario is ripe with drama. Doesn't seem like it seems like, oh, this is ridiculous elementary school, regular nonsense. But no, no. Dramas, triangles. So let's understand the goal here with the drama triangle. The drama triangle is not a happy place. It's filled with conflict and power struggles. And how you think about it, it often leaves everyone feeling a bit worse. Now, the goal is to recognize when you're in the triangle and then step out of it. How do you do this? Well, awareness is vital. Awareness that these roles exist. And when you feel the heat rise within you or get that sinking feeling, there's a chance that you have slipped into the triangle's gravity well. And oh, it can be so subtle. And once there's awareness, then you can recalibrate. You can shift. Cartman, who developed the triangle, called this shift the empowerment dynamic. I love that term. I, obviously, it's the term of the guy that made this thing up. But to me, it's like it feels so jargony. And when it comes out of my mouth, it just kind of feels weird. I just think of this as recalibrating. Either way, what this recalibration looks like is as the victim, when you assume the victim role, shifting from blaming to taking responsibility. Now, I'm not talking about being the victim of a crime. That is something totally different. I'm talking about taking the role of victim in a relational sense, in an interpersonal sense. Now, in our example, Sam, as a recalibration, accepts that he failed because he didn't study, not because Miss Hudson gave him a difficult assignment. This shift moves Sam from the victim role to what Cartman called the creator. I guess you got to make these things work for you. So for me, for the sake of this podcast, let's call that the agent because we're all about the agency, baby. And the antidote to victimhood is agency. Victimhood has some helplessness and hopelessness. The antidote to victimhood is agency. It's acknowledging our power, our influence, our ability to affect change in a situation. And in Sam's case, shifting from Miss Hudson is so unfair. She sucks so badly as a teacher. She's the worst to how could I have approached this differently and be better the next time? Next, the villain. Or Miss Hudson in our case. Maybe she's thinking, that's Sam. He's just not a good student. It's all on him. Sam sees her as the villain and she might even be in the villain role herself. And the path out of that is switching from blaming Sam, 
to providing constructive criticism, clear guidelines on how to improve. And she moves from being a villain to its opposite, the challenger. And finally, Alice, our hero. The switch there, the recalibration, is switching from taking over Sam's problem to empowering him to solve it himself instead of doing the assignment for him, guide him on how to approach it. Alice moves from being a hero to a coach. And it's so easy to fall into the seduction of being the hero. Listening to this podcast, you probably have a lot of hero in you. Someone presents a problem, I'm going to fix it. I will fix you. I will fix all of this in one fell swoop. And at that point, here's the trap. You've taken it on your shoulders and then you're doing the heavy lifting. You know what that feels like? Now it's on you and you own the outcome. And the shift from hero to coach can be really subtle. And I think that coach in these interactions is just a half step back from the hero mindset. There's more discernment and neutrality. When you're neutral, you don't own the outcome. And personally, it has taken a lot of work to divest myself from the hero role. I still fall into it all the time. And also, not that I haven't been the villain or the victim many times in my life. And in my career in medicine, I found it so easy to slip into the hero role. For example, a patient would make a decision that I thought was not in their best interest, you know, totally the opposite of their best interest. I would get really frustrated, sometimes upset, sometimes yeah, even a little angry. I'm here, I'm, I'm doing all this hard work. I'm telling you the information. This is the answer. And you're making all the wrong decisions. You got to follow this plan. And then what are we doing? We are just feeding the victim apex of the triangle. We're the hero. We're doing the heavy lifting. And we're also taking away their agency, falling into the drama triangle. This is what shared decision-making is all about. True shared decision-making. And it can be hard to step into the mind space of, here's the option. Here's what I think is the optimal path. How does that work for you? And as I think I've said on the show before, we are not the author of someone else's story. And by making the shifts, by making the recalibrations, when we have awareness of playing a role in the triangle, we can step out of it. We can phase shift, reframe, recalibrate to a dynamic that's accountable, it's proactive, it's constructive, and creates healthier relationships, better communication, and less, well, drama. Imagine this scenario. You're sitting in the break room at work. Let's make it an emergency department, as that is the workplace I know best. And you're eating this beautifully created graham cracker and peanut butter sandwich. Might even, you know, having a turkey sandwich, you know where that came from. Thinking about that Diet Sierra mist that you swipe from the patient food-only refrigerator and just how refreshingly cool that's about to taste. And okay, let's come out of the reverie. There you are in this placid state, you're chilling, and in comes your colleague, Dr. Sue, and she is upset, disquieted, dismayed, disturbed about something. She says to you, I cannot believe this BS. I got scheduled for three more shifts than I want. Nobody gives a crap, and our scheduler is just an incompetent nincompoop. Yes, she did just say nincompoop, because that's just how Sue rolls. And we all feel frustration, getting assigned more work than we want feeling overwhelmed. It can be such a drag. It is such a drag. But for the sake of the triangle, in this moment, Dr. Sue is smack dab at the apex. Sue is in this moment, the victim. She's complaining about your scheduler, Dr. Roster, who Sue believes has it out for her, 
doesn't care, doesn't know what she's doing, and is giving her an unfair share of work. Dr. Roster is the villain in this scenario. And the villain, just to clarify, can come from both perspectives. It can come from the perspective of the person being the villain, and also can come from how the victim frames what is happening. And at this point, you just well known for your supportive nature. Oh, you are so supportive. You're just like a big walking hug. You step in to console Sue and you say, you know what? Let me talk to Dr. Roster. So what do you hear? You are the hero. Now, this seems like a typical interaction. I mean, who doesn't complain about their schedule when it doesn't meet expectations? And this scenario is a breeding ground for further misunderstandings and resentment. It is fraught with drama and negative emotions. So what's the ultimate goal once we understand the drama triangle? It's simple. Recognize the roles when we're unconsciously pulled into them and then transition out, recalibrate into a healthier, more constructive role. How do we do this? First, Sue, the victim, shifts her perspective from feeling powerless to recognizing her ability to advocate for herself. Instead of seeing herself as a victim, she could see herself as a problem solver, capable of speaking with Dr. Roster about the workload, about how shifts are allocated, about her personal preferences. Maybe that has been tried before and has had no effect. Well, let's bring this up at the group meeting and that doesn't have effect. Or maybe this is a big contract management group. Well, let's address this to the national committee. Where is our agency here? When you switch from victim to agent, then you dissolve from your perspective anyone being a villain or a hero. The second, Dr. Roster, the villain, could adopt an approach that encourages open dialogue. Rather than being seen as a villain, she can become a challenger, providing feedback, promoting open dialogue so that the other docs can advocate for themselves. And lastly, our intrepid hero, that's us in this vignette. Instead of solving the problem for Sue, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't I do this? Could help her figure out how to handle it. We switch from hero to coach. We give her the power on how to deal with this more effectively. Might be listening to this thinking, this scenario sounds a little contrived. Yeah, it is totally contrived. And yet, I have many clients in this exact predicament. They're getting more shifts than they're contracted for, more shifts than they're supposed to be scheduled for, more shifts than they asked for. And they feel powerless with the scheduler. How can you switch from victim to agent? And all of us have the power to step out of the drama triangle and step into the recalibrated roles that are ultimately more fulfilling. And in that light, this is not about avoiding conflict. Conflict's going to happen. This is about managing conflict in a more productive way. Sometimes that conflict is all just in you. Sometimes it's a group process. Sometimes you can't even control as you just kind of slip down the slippery slope. It's like a thought that pops up into your mind. It just happens. You have no control over a thought that pops up. It just pops up. That's the nature of thoughts. They just pop up. Where you do have control is once you're aware of it, is taking a step back and deciding on the next step. Like Mike and Anna. Let's talk about Mike and Anna. They've been in a relationship for a couple of years. And Mike, he's not feeling too happy about things because Anna spending a lot of time at work and not really giving Mike much attention. So in this scenario, Mike is in the victim role. He feels powerless. He feels neglected. Oh, Anna's always at work. Anna sucks not, not hanging out, not prioritizing our relationship. Anna, she works clinical shifts 
She's also the chief of staff at her hospital. She's preoccupied with a crucial project. This is big stuff. Well, she's cast as the villain in Mike's view. Anna is seen as the one causing Mike's feelings of neglect. Now, let's introduce a third character here, Joey B. Joey B is a close friend of Mike's. He's Mike's bro, Optimus Prime. Mike shares his feelings about what's going on with Joey B. And Joey B says, oh, Mike, that sucks. And you know who else sucks? Anna. She, I mean, come on. She's just doing this instead of hanging with you. In this interaction, Joey B is assuming the hero role. In this triangle, Mike is the victim, Anna is the villain, and Joey B is the hero. It's got all the ingredients for drama. And this, I mean, it sounds like it's low stakes. I'm like, what is this, a soap opera? But it is full of negative emotions and potential conflict and misunderstandings. So how do Mike, Anna, and Joey B shift to a healthier dynamic? Let's talk about Mike from victim to agent. Instead of viewing himself as a victim, Mike can assume the role of an agent. And as an agent, he would recognize his feelings of neglect. I mean, still feeling the way he feels. It's not, I shall not feel this way. I am a rock. Nah, he feels how he feels and then uses that feeling of neglect as a signal to communicate his needs, his desires more effectively to Anna. What could that look like? It could look like having an open conversation about his feelings and asking for more quality time together. Asking how can they both put boundaries around their personal time, just like they'd put boundaries around work time. And then Anna, shifting from villain, I always think about the Hamburglar, thinking about the uh, villains, but shifting from villain to challenger. Instead of allowing her work to take precedence over her relationship, find ways to balance both and be receptive when Mike is expressing what he's feeling about. And then Joey B. Joey B. the hero. How can Joey B. the hero switch from hero to coach? Now, this is, this is a really hard role in the best friend seat in the friendship organization. You know, to empathize and say, yeah, I'm on your side. And yeah, all this sucks and all they suck. It's you and me against the world. Instead of criticizing Anna and saying, yeah, Mike, yeah, you are the victim here. You're getting screwed over. And I encourage Mike to communicate directly with Anna. So he's supporting Mike to have agency, to have autonomy, rather than taking on Mike's problem as his problem. And let me break this down a little further with some beautiful descriptions from the Conscious Leadership Group. I'm going to give you some direct quotes. Victims see themselves at the effect of people, at the effect of circumstances and conditions, and often experience themselves as disempowered. Victim often complains and whines or argues for why they can't have what they want. And once in this role, the victim is able to feel unique as they wait for someone else to fix the problem. The villain, ah, villain, dastardly villain, focuses on blame. They blame themselves or others or the nebulous them, they. Oh, what a bunch of losers. The villain position attempts to diminish creative awareness, you might say by focusing on a single convenient answer. You will know that you are in the villain position. It's not that you know we are villains or we are victims, or we are heroes. We just assume these roles. So you'll know you're in the villain position if you feel that your opinion is absolutely correct and only search for evidence that supports your claims. The villain's main goal is to find fault. Who caused this problem? 
where can I lay some blame? And the hero plays out their role by applying a solution to the problem in order to avoid feelings of discomfort. You know, just like letting the problem sit out there for a moment. The hero seeks out appreciation, problems to fix, people to save, and pain to be relieved, conflicts to be resolved. The hero says, I can save it. I can handle it. Don't worry. Look on the bright side. You can always count on me. I don't want to upset anyone. The hero fixes, diagnoses, corrects, knows, and is self-referential. Whereas the victim says, they don't get it. And when I said diagnose at the hero diagnosis, if you are in healthcare, you're diagnosing all the time. You are diagnosing someone's problem and you are fixing it. Now, maybe you know, with that hero role, let's just separate that from what happens in healthcare with a role as a diagnostician. Oh, let me diagnose what's happening with this person so that I can offer a solution. That is actually a professional role. We're not talking about that. We're talking more about the interpersonal dynamics, such as something that happens so often in healthcare, the difficult consultant, which in itself, that naming of it does imply a little bit of a victimhood. As, as I say, I had never realized that before, but I got to call it something. So let's call it the difficult consultant or the jerk at work. And what can that mean? It can mean obstructive, obtuse, delaying, denying, rude, deflicting, work avoidance, dismissive. And when I speak to groups about difficult consultants, there's this consistent ask or kind of this subtext in questions of what's the secret key, right? What is the biting and witty retort that we can just use to shut this jerk down? Because what's the cure for a bully? You to give it right back to him, just to smack him in the face with it. Yeah. No. And here's the problem with that. When you enter any interaction, there's the potential to take an entangled role. Any of these corners of the drama triangle are entangled and there's the potential for drama. Not drama in some histrionic sense, although it can certainly be there, but drama in that there's deep judgment, defensiveness, and closed-mindedness. And for those of you who frequently call consultants, even when it's not contentious, you may from time to time see yourself as the victim, complaining, undervalued, and let's be honest, martyrs. And it's not just just one thing. We can oscillate between these three roles of victim, villain, hero in a single interaction from second to second. When it comes to a consultant interaction, there can be a reflex to assume that victim mentality before the call even happens. We hope amongst hopes that the other side is going to be helpful or at least at least just nice more unicorn than ogre because there is some stored trauma connected to having these challenging interactions over and over every day every week every month every year and in these interactions what can't we control we can't control the kind of day that other person is having if you're calling a surgeon their or scheduling the next morning the 10 other ed consults that they have gotten in the past hour what's happening at home Sometimes, yes, even an access to diagnosis. We can't control any of that. All we can control is ourselves. What we think, what we do, what we can control is our response. You hear victim, them, their villain. And then we can also vacillate between victim and hero. I am the hero. I will save the day for the patient. I am the only one here who's doing the right thing. Now, maybe that's true. 
maybe you are the one who's carrying the shield of virtue and valor. But I'll tell you, I have lots of friends who are subspecialists. And when they get calls as the consultant, they often are in the victim role themselves and see you, the caller, as the villain. All right, dear listeners, it's time for a call to action. What do we do with all of this? And we're just touching the surface here, but it's a place to start. So in the coming weeks, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to observe your interactions, both personal and professional. Can you identify these roles at play? And once you see them, how can you recalibrate? Or in the official terms, what can you do to move towards the empowerment dynamic from victim to agent, from villain to challenger, from hero to coach? This whole thing is centered around not blaming ourselves, not blaming others, but becoming more aware and cultivating healthier interactions. So there's our challenge. If you're up for it or down for it, just depending on how you like to use the phrasing, Make a mental note or take notes or keep a journal and be an active observer of your role in the triangle. And that is it for today. To learn more about one-on-one coaching, to get complete show notes for this or any other episode, sign up for our newsletter and find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Maybe not, maybe it's happening. Just head over to our website, roborman.com. Until the next time, my friends. Be well and keep on rocking.